Hey guys, welcome to the Jet Setting Family Travel Podcast. It's me, Santi, and today I'm kicking off this show. Hey Santi, where are we right now? We're in Singapore. What do you think about Singapore? Like, it's kind of like really good and kind of like a mix and fascinating and a mix and fancy. <laughs> a mix of fascinating and a mix of fancy? Yeah. What's something that we've done here? Gardens by the Bay. And what's Gardens by the Bay? It's this place where there's a humongous garden and it's by the bay. And we saw this light show with the trees in and they glowed up in the dark. Oh, how was it? It was really cool. Yeah. And where else have we been, Santi? We've been to this little pirate ship water park, and it has a beach and a water park, and a little mini playground, and I got to go on some slides, and the blue one was really awesome. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. <laughs> that and there was so a cool. box bucket that pours down when it's full. Did you get the water all on you? Yeah. From the bucket? Yeah, one of the times, I think. Yeah, were you surprised? Yeah. And you want to know the best thing about it? Yeah. It was free! What? (laughs) Where are we going to next? We are going to Kuala Lumpur. Yes, we are. Are you excited about that? Yeah, cool. All right. But before we get there, we have this awesome interview with Ricky and Sunita from Kiwis and Bare Feet. Trust me, guys. I met them, and they were in bare feet. (laughs) So let's get on with the show. Hey guys, I am joined here today by Ricky and Sunita Crib. They're also known as Kiwis and Bare Feet. They are world travelers that are actually teaching abroad right now. So we're excited to get to know them today. They, along with their daughter Lila, have been to, uh, Lila has been to 22 countries and Ricky and Sunita have been to at least 40 countries, which is awesome. So welcome to the show, guys. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks for having us. Uh, Would you guys mind introducing yourselves, tell us a little bit about yourselves and what it is that led you to kind of prioritize travel in your life. Okay, yes, yeah, so I'm I'm Ricky. So we're both from New Zealand, around the Wellington area, Lower North Island, Foxton, Palmerston North, a couple of smaller towns. I guess for me, I traveled a little bit in England. I lived there for a bit and then got an interest from there, really. And then since we've been teaching overseas, we've 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 been in locations where we've been able to travel a lot, and we've had holidays or time off where we can travel. And for us, it's it's kind of everything, really, the, the full experience and experiencing different cultures and food and sites and everything. So, yeah. So where are you guys right now? Currently, we're teaching in Busan, South Korea. And were you guys teachers in New Zealand before you started teaching abroad? Yes, yes, we were. Okay. And what grades did you teach? I've taught from year one, what is that, grade one to grade four. And Ricky was a teacher in high school, PE and math. What are some of the kind of what is the first step? So so say you're a teacher teaching in New Zealand or a listener is a teacher teaching in their home country. You know, what what was the first step that you guys had to take to kind of find an opportunity to teach abroad? So typically schools internationally would like two years of teaching experience. So generally, like often you have to be 
teaching like not all it's not always the case but usually that that is and then from there the easiest way to make connections is through recruitment agencies so there's a number of them the biggest one that we initially went through was search associates so if you are looking to teach abroad i would definitely recommend um signing up with them there's a bit of a process and they have a, a big database of international schools and, and teachers and it's uh, probably the easiest way to start making those connections and this search associates i'm assuming it's available for you know any country not just for people from new zealand yeah it's, so it's 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 all over the world pretty much they have they actually have fears recruitment fairs where you can go and interview and there's a whole number of schools there and there's quite a few in America actually and Europe all over yeah Yeah. and how long does it take from initially kind of putting in the application to getting placed with a job opportunity it totally depends but it can it can be really fast on their site you can actually compare packages of the schools so it depends what you're looking for sometimes you find a school that you really connect with straight away other times you know you might be looking for a while I guess it depends on the time of the year too yeah most schools tend to start in probably august and Mm. it's a good idea to start looking december or even november the year before that's when a lot of schools start to advertise so we do get a few questions about it actually but a lot of people think we just teach english overseas so we get questions asking how they can kind of get into teaching English over the seas, but we're at an international school, so we're we're just teaching as we would in New Zealand. Okay, so English is a primary language at the international school, and you each teach all of the subjects that are appropriate for the grade level that you're teaching at? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Where was your first placement? Let's get into that a little bit. Our first placement was Saudi Arabia, and a lot of people were surprised, yeah, that we chose to start there, but we loved it. We had three years there. Did you have other kind of opportunities, and you specifically selected Saudi Arabia or was it a situation where you kind of had to choose that one to get your foot in the door and open up yourself to better opportunities or or not better but other opportunities in the future? No, we were really lucky because we had uh, friends who were already there. So I worked with uh, a girl in New Zealand and she moved to Saudi Arabia to the Cal School where we ended up teaching at. So we had friends who were there and they said to us, come on over, come on over. And originally we thought, no, no way. Saudi Arabia is the last place we're going to look. But they eventually convinced us. And how how did your transition from teaching in New Zealand to teaching in Saudi Arabia go? It was really good. I think um, the IB program that we've been lucky to work with is quite similar to New Zealand. It's all um, inquiry-based teaching. The country and the, the new lifestyle was was a bigger transition. <laughs> Driving into the desert was a bit of a shock. I mean, we got off the plane and it was a bit of a shock first going in and it was just all sand everywhere. But I think I cried actually the whole way to the compound. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were all right once we settled in. It was, yeah, it was fine once we settled in and got used to things. The actual teaching in schools, it's all pretty pretty positive really. There's usually smaller classes, which means you get a lot, lot more time with kids probably much more well-resourced in general. The PD opportunities are great, so the kids are usually great, great kids, and yeah, where to we are at the moment perspective, is... when I left New Zealand, I had a class of 29 seven-year-olds, and it was mm-hmm. just me, and I had 40 minutes release time once a week. And then last year, I had 12 five-year-olds, with a teaching assistant and at least 80 minutes release time a day 
Wow, that is awesome. So it, yes. it, it'll be hard to go home. Are these job opportunities pretty competitive? I think yeah. it can come down to perhaps the school and um, maybe where you want to teach. Like people say certain countries can be a bit more competitive. There's a bit more demand there. But the thing is, in general, with international schools is they're starting to, especially in China, they're starting to boom a little bit along with the, the economy and There's people so looking for private education. Um, I was talking to someone recently who said that it's projected to be perhaps actually a shortage in teachers because it's going to be so many schools starting up. Um, that might have been Kuala Lumpur, maybe might have been another area that, that had come up. So, yeah, that sort of with the Asian economy and developing very quickly that the schools are sort of coming through that as well. One of the opportunities that we've looked into is uh, I think it's called VIP Kid, where you kind of teach English online. And a lot of people that that are traveling as either digital nomads or as a family that's working remotely, they kind of use that service to one get some teaching experience or to be able to get some kind of financial assistance to help support their travels as well. But completely different than actually going and teaching abroad and not just English, but other core subjects as well. So it's a good option to have, isn't it? It seems like such an attractive option for families that either one, they say they can't afford it or, you know, they don't, they don't have the opportunity to do so because of their jobs. So just having that kind of lifestyle and a position where you're still teaching, you're still, you know, getting work experience and you have the flexibility to travel around the region that you kind of set your home base in where you teach. It's just a, such an attractive experience. So hopefully those that are listening are kind of getting inspired and looking into how uh, to make this happen, especially with these potential opportunities coming up with new schools opening and all of that. That's been a big thing for us, being located somewhere where it is possible to go somewhere for a week or a weekend, whereas in New Zealand, because it's like apart from Australia and the Pacific Islands, you're looking at more than 10 hours of flying to get anywhere. So a week trip's probably, I don't know. Not yeah, too realistic. Not with Lila. <laughs> yeah, not with, not with Lila. So. And one of the really unique aspects of your time in Saudi Arabia is that you, or at least Anita, you were expecting Lila while you were teaching there, right? Yes. Uh -huh. And you actually had her while you were in Saudi Arabia, right? Yes. A lot of people ask us if she has a Saudi passport, but no, she doesn't. She hasn't. <laughs> I don't, it wasn't an option. And what was the pregnancy experience like? Were there any nerves, you know, being far away from home? Yeah, there was. I think we were very lucky with our school because we had a good international um, insurance cover. And we had a really good hospital in our compound. But the hospital where I was going to give birth was an hour away, so that wasn't a bit nerve-wracking. We did interview a few doctors, one of them who we chose, actually. He was laughing at us because he said, most of your doctors in New Zealand are from my country. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah. Were you able to have any friends and family kind of visit and, you know, meet Lila there? Or did you have to wait until you went back home to New Zealand? Yeah, we, di we didn't actually. And that was hard. Uh, the first time they met Lila, she was nine months old when we went home for Christmas. Oh, wow. Yeah. They could have come, but I mean, it, it was a process, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Fa only um, family, direct family members can come. Immediate family can get a visa. So you can't actually go as a tourist 
Both of our families are not big travellers, so we've been lucky enough to get them to Korea. Korea sounded a bit better, I think, than Saudi Arabia. So. For them. You guys were in Saudi Arabia for three years, right? Yes. Was that a, a contracted time or did you feel like after three years you kind of wanted to look mm-hmm. elsewhere to, to try different opportunities? Yeah, so when you originally sign a contract for an international school, the initial contract period is usually two years. I think we've seen a couple of schools who will let you sign for one year, but usually it's two years. And then after that, you can choose to sign one year or two years just totally depends on the school. So we just chose to sign one more year. Uh, and then after we had Lila, we decided it was time for a change. And did you use Search Associates again to look for your second position? Well, it was different looking the second time round because we had Lila. So we were really focused on somewhere that we could find that we would be happy her starting school in. Um, so we, we found we were a lot pickier the second time round. And that brought you to Busan, South Korea, right? Yes. So you've had you've been there for about a year now. So what kind of differences have you found between teaching in Saudi Arabia versus teaching in South Korea, if any? Yeah, for one, we're not living in a compound. So that, that's been a huge difference for us. We really feel like we are immersed in the culture, I guess, a lot more. In Saudi Arabia, we lived in a compound with, there were 6,000 of us and, you know, majority were foreigners. So here yeah, we're just living amongst the locals and eating with, with them, shopping with them. So that's been really nice. I was so I was home with Lila this this yeah, year. Yeah, that was a big difference. Once we arrived and be, yeah, being able to just get on the beach or go for walks through the forest or into the city is kind of things you couldn't really do in a compound that, that was quite far from from the main city. So that's probably the biggest difference. And Ricky, what was it like, kind of staying at home and spending time with Lila while Sunita was was teaching that first year? Yeah, we had a great time. It took a, took a while to get used to uh, the difference between being home with her and working the the thing is busan's just very well suited to kids there's kids cafes all over the place playgrounds there's the aquarium just down by the beach we went to a lot lots of events on and yeah it was a great great to spend that time with her and something that probably didn't think we'd be able to do so kind of glad how it worked out i was very jealous <laughs> and now this year you're both teaching and Lila is going to the same school as well, right? Yes, yes, she is. She's struggling a little bit with the transition, but oh no. <laughs> is that an opportunity that's pretty common to families that are teaching abroad having their their children go to the same school? Is that something that you build into your contract or how do you kind of assure that that happens? Yeah, it's it's one of the things we love because they get a, you know, a private education for free. So yeah, that's definitely one of the things that we look for. I think most schools have it, but a lot of schools, they start at three. So, we, you know, we were lucky that Lila could start at two. That's so great. Mm. Are there any downsides to kind of teaching abroad and having that kind of lifestyle? Like, I guess like anything, you know, you miss, you miss out on uh, family events. And I don't know if it's the teaching itself, but living abroad can be hard, missing family. And, but I think that's one of the best things for us about our move to Korea as opposed to Saudi Arabia is we're closer to home. Schools generally build into your contract a yearly flight home. Mm, okay. And our family has been over to visit, so that's been really cool. Uh, so kind of wrapping things up, 
what is kind of one thing or a couple of things that you would recommend to other families that are considering having a kind of teaching abroad lifestyle? I, I think the, the, the thing being away from your country and being, being away from your friends and family, like it's, I guess it's not always easy for everyone. And like, it's probably the biggest thing that, um, that might, that could be a challenge depending on where you're located or where you're going to go. Maybe think about the, how easy it is going to be to get back home. And then the schools as well, I'd probably do a little research. There's a few independent review sites where schools are reviewed um, independently where you can get an idea of, of the school. Or Yeah, the biggest thing that we usually look for when we're looking at schools is uh, health insurance and accommodation, apart from looking at the school and the curriculum and the staff. But, yeah, we, want, we wanted somewhere that was going to, you know, find our accommodation and cover the cost of that and have good international health insurance especially with lila all right well thank you so much ricky and sunita i look forward to continuing to follow your adventures and maybe potentially have my family be your fellow teaching co-workers somewhere down the line yeah thanks so much thanks so much for um having us on So there you have it, guys. That was Ricky and Sunita Crib from Kiwis and Bare Feet. If you're curious about all the amazing places that they've been to, you can check them out on Instagram at Kiwis and Bare Feet. And they also have some really awesome information posted on their blog, www.kiwisandbarefeet.com. Also, if you're curious about what it takes to teach overseas, we've got a bunch of information that is linked in the show description. So anything from uh, that Search Associates website, as well as other resources that you could use for teaching abroad, go ahead and check them out in the show description. Next week, we are off to Kuala Lumpur to begin a couple of weeks in Malaysia. We are planning to be there in Langkawi as well as Penang, and we're excited to get an episode talking all about our adventures there in Malaysia coming up soon. But next week, we've got another interview lined up, so make sure you tune in, you hit that subscribe button, and get all the notifications so that you can listen to this awesome, awesome interview that we've got coming your way. If you want to keep following our adventures, you can always go check us out on Instagram at The Jet Setting Family, or you can go on YouTube or to our blog, www.thejetsettingfamily.com. We really appreciate all of your support. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And if you've got any questions along the way, we are happy to answer them. Just shoot us a comment, shoot us an email at hello at thejetsettingfamily.com or find us on Instagram and send us a message there. We are happy to help you out with anything that you might need. The music for today's show has been provided by The Long Valley with additional music by BMC. So from my family to yours, have a great rest of the week and happy jet setting. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe. Ever wonder if they were listening to you? So did Al Franken. Yep, that Al Franken. He was just on our podcast impersonating his former Senate colleagues in the name of privacy. What the Hack with Adam Levin will make you feel more chill about the unchill things that happen online and off with easy-to-understand tips to make your life a little less hackable. Join us as we look at the ways people get scammed and hacked. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a weekly cyber true crime show that unravels a fresh new hell every Monday. What the Hack with me, Adam Levin. Available wherever you get your podcasts. All right. 
Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, board certified OBGYN, and you may know me from social media where I spend a lot of my time educating about everything reproductive health. This podcast is called Let's Talk About Down There, and that's what I'm doing. I am talking about down there with no shame, no stigma, a lot of fun, and a lot of education. And why? Because when we talk about these things, we educate and we empower ourselves. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body, and we're going to answer them.